Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. Joan Shelley is an alluring and talented songwriter, singer, and musician based in Skylight, Kentucky. Acclaimed for a unique approach to folk music, Shelley's released nine wondrous albums over the past 12 years, including her latest one, The Spur, which features a host of collaborators, including her husband Nathan Salzberg, producer James Elkington, novelist Max Porter, and the legendary Bill Callahan, among others. The Spur was released by the label No Quarter on June 24th, 2022, and it prompted Joan and I to connect for a talk about the album's lyrical themes and sound, life in Kentucky, which has become an unlikely seat of political power in the United States of America, musical traditions and time, our childhoods and becoming parents, working with Bill Callahan and Max Porter in particular, Leonard Cohen's final album, You Wanted Darker, how Will Oldham made staying in Kentucky to make music feel more viable, being an artist out of contemporary trends, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, 
who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control with additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily help you place any orders you want, really. What if you want to get uh, The Spur by Joan Shelley? You can talk to them. Go to blackbird.ca to learn more about how you can do that. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 699 of Creative Control, featuring the wonderfully talented Joan Shelley with your host, me, Vish Khanna. At this new elevation Came a new song of a new life From the cracks in the pavement You can't buy it, can't own it Can't label it, save it There was a fire Hi, Joan. How you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much. Uh, first of all, where in the world are you today? I'm in Skylight, Kentucky, at home. Skylight, Kentucky? Wait a minute. This has come up on the show before. This, Nathan this, Salzburg, yeah. Nathan Salzburg uh, was on the show, and uh, just so we're clear, Nathan is your life partner, yes? Yes, he is. Nice. That's great. How's Nathan doing? He's good. He's good. We're, uh, you know... We're managing with our one-year-old sleep pattern. Right. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Is it since I... No, I think when I spoke with Nathan, there was a... The child yeah. has already... Yeah, the child was... Uh, that's actually uh, influenced our ability to schedule stuff now that I think about it. Uh, yeah. As it, as, it, as it will. How is your child doing? She's she's good. She's beautiful. She's hilarious. <laughs> that's great. This is your first, I assume? Yes. Nice. Good. Well, great. So, I'm a parent. I have two children. Let's get into it. Any regrets? <laughs> Any regrets about this decision? Oh, just time. Just watching yeah. time disappear, but no regrets, none at all. Has uh this is it's obviously something that changes one's life. Um as we talk about this beautiful new record of yours, The Spur, uh you know, I'd like to know how this situation has maybe altered you as an artist as a person it's a lot to talk about and think about but are you it's only been a year but are you feeling that profound difference in your approach to living life and making things since the birth of your child yes there's a kind of vulnerability maybe for me that like I've always felt very through music and relationships with other musicians and artists like oh I thought I was in touch with my vulnerability but there's this new kind that just kind of snapped on with her where you just realize like she's going to hopefully outlive me and I'll never, you know, in those early days, there's a lot of emotions because there's like all these hormones releasing mm. when the baby's born. And I was just overcome with this feeling of who's going to protect her when I'm gone. Just I couldn't stop thinking about it. Yeah. 
And that is kind of irrational because there's so many things up till then <laughs> to worry about anyway. I mean, you just lose so much control. And at this point, you know, like I gotten this far in my life, starting to feel in control of things almost, which yeah, yeah. is amazing, but that's gone. <laughs> well, and, and so a year, so this, this was during the, during this pandemic that you had a child and have had these realizations, um, a lot of more, a lot more people, parents or no, uh, or not rather, have, have had to come to terms with that. Like they, you, you can't actually control what's happening around you. Can you talk about? I know that you have no other reference point, but the notion of dealing with the psychology of living through a pandemic and the sort of helplessness and hopelessness there. Do you see a connection between that and how you're? Uh, reacting to being a parent, that nurturing thing, that that sort of letting go, if you will? Like, do you see a connection between the two? Well, there is this kind of, what is it? Like, I was, Nathan Bowles was here the other day, another musician, friend of ours who was passing through, and we were talking about kind of what we learned when we became musicians mm. in this, like, there's this, it's like, you know, don't tell anyone what to do, but like take care of each other. Yeah. It was just like, that's a no brainer. What do you, there's wasting time to do anything else, to say anything else. And during the pandemic, you know, I had this newborn, which you're supposed to look out for viruses and getting exposed to things anyway. And that was on like high alert, <laughs> protecting her. And then, and coming up against people who, um, in my family weren't getting vaccinated, weren't not going to get vaccinated. And just realizing like what I thought were my boundaries of safety and protection weren't. So it, that was a big shattering, a, a big thing to grieve um, and try to understand over the, I mean, still I'm working on how to understand this and rebuild relationships with people who don't believe what I believe about what it takes to protect each other or just take care of each other, you know? Yeah. Oh uh, man, <laughs> it's, it's so heavy. It is heavy, and you live in a country, uh, Nathan and I talked about this, Nathan Salzberg. Oh, I should say, nice to hear about Nathan Bowles, also been on this show, uh, and I'm a mm -hmm. fan of Nathan's. Uh, all the Nathans in your life are great. Let's just establish <laughs> that. Do you, have, do you have a predilection, a preference for Nathans, if you think no, back on it? Has it always just favorites. Those are your two <laughs> favorites, yeah. Yeah, I think living in the States, uh, living in Kentucky, it might give you a different perspective on... I don't know, the way people treat each other, the way people treat humanity. Do you have that a little bit? I, and I should say within all of this, are you from Kentucky or you, did you locate there from somewhere else? I'm from Kentucky. My dad's side is from Kentucky way back. My mom's from Indiana. So I have both sides of the the line. Hmm. Right. So so does that does that give you any particular perspective on the state of your country in relation to what you were talking about earlier, just this notion of yeah. nurturing one another, actually being empathetic and caring uh, about others. The people you have, uh, again, Nathan, your Nathan, I mean, and I kind of enumerated and, and talked about some of the the figures that you have in your leadership positions there and how it's oh, man. beyond embarrassing. But there's also a selfishness there. So how... I, I'm not asking you to solve the world's problems right yeah, now, right. <laughs> but from your perspective in Kentucky, like 
Does it give you? Sure. We, we, I think a lot of us are just like, why is America like this? As you and I are speaking, your Supreme Court justices have been on a rampage of rolling yeah. back things. Today, as we're speaking, uh, I believe they've curtailed the EPA's ability to cut greenhouse gases. Like, it's such yeah. a deliberate act. Anyway, what I'm getting at is... No, it's it's so deep. It is deep. And there's a lot to... Again, you and I are not going to solve this during this uh, conversation. There's no way. But your perspectives on trying to maintain levels of humanity and empathy in the face of where you live, both in Kentucky mm -hmm. and the country, what is that like for you every day experientially? I'm just... I can imagine it, but I just want to hear. Like, what what is it like? I think there's a big piece of this well there's a little bit of like okay this is our adolescent country it's never gone through a lot of things other countries have that have some more social supports mm. and so when i look at why our place why kentucky might be kind of lashing out the way it is in terms of our representatives and let's be clear there's tons of people in kentucky who do not back the guys like mitch mcconnell who are yeah. going for <laughs> the jugular of the planet right yeah. now but the the fact that there's such um, apathy towards getting them out of power, or there's kind of a glee, I think, in the fact that we do have so much power kind of out of balance with our numbers of people, yeah. or like, we, why does Kentucky have so much of a say in government? I think you could look back to the history. I think this place was really rich in all kinds of things, coal and timber. Beginning was like this incredible timber harvest. It's been a place that has been heavily extracted from since the beginning of its inclusion in this, you know, colonial experiment. And those people stayed poor. Like we have a history of just working, working and not really getting above water. And I think that created a kind of bitterness maybe that, you know, this distrust of authority, this desire to bring down people that think they're higher than us, you know, it's a, it's complicated. I think there should be some kind of, again, like, what am I talking about this for? But I think about it in like the musical tradition is so rich. It's so developed. Like it shows you the depth of humanity yeah. here. And just, you, I see the way people talk about Kentucky because they're so angry about what's happening, but it's like, until you acknowledge like the beautiful people here until this place gets like nourished and respected back what you, we're not you're not going to get what you want you know yeah. like there's such an imbalance of of that i i don't know that's my bargain basement <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> uh, wasn't uh, studying this stuff but it's my impression no no and I, I that's the thing i mean everyone is basically having to make themselves into the student or scholar <laughs> of what's going on just to comprehend it, just to have some grounding in it. You know what I mean? Like, I appreciate what you're saying. I'd like to say for the record that I love Kentucky. Uh, I Thank love you. visiting Kentucky. Uh, I love some of my favorite people are from Kentucky. So I just want to put that on the record. The one thing I will say in reference to what we've been discussing is having a child is a very hopeful gesture. It's more than a gesture, but it's a hopeful thing to do, I suppose. And sure. it's very much, um, I think when you have a child, you have, um, if you make the conscious decision to have a child, I mean, and raise a family, I think you are forward thinking, you are optimistic about the future. 
when I talk about what's going on with rollbacks uh, in your country right now, and when you talk about the divide right now, do you see it as a future past divide? I believe in traditions and heritage, and I believe in family, and I believe in history. But it does seem like people are using history as a crutch to make decisions that impact the future. And again, I only bring this to you because we're talking about having children and making families and all that sort of thing. So I feel like, do you see where I'm coming from? Like subconsciously, you're looking ahead. You had a child. You want that child to thrive. You want to probably subconsciously, if not consciously, you want a legacy to continue on some level. You know what I'm saying? But right now we're having this thing where there's a certain sect of political actors that are like, let's make everything the way it was. And let's listen to people who wrote a document 300 years ago. <laughs> they they know what's going on. They know about guns and abortion, even though those things, mm-hmm. I mean, abortion existed, but you know what I'm saying? Sorry. That's where I'm struggling. And I'm just trying, <laughs> we're all I'm struggling. just trying to, it's okay. yeah, I, I'm trying to get some temporality stuff going on here. Uh, so let's go with that first. Do you know where I'm coming from there and what do you make of it? Yeah, it's interesting how much the um, kind of revivalist movement, like another folk revival or a traditional revival kind of happened just before the mm. MAGA stuff. Like right, right. this period of kind of living in our romance of some perfect way it was when really like it probably just means when you were a kid and you didn't know what was going on. So whenever mm. that was for you is your great moment you know if you can because that's the only simple time and i just think it's this it's the it's the internet it's like the new technology usually causes most of the upheavals of history like a new technology that took away people's ability to feed themselves Mm. and this new technology moment also includes the fact that we can see into everybody's brain (laughs) and you're just like whoa 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 yeah i can't handle it like we can't we weren't prepared and we don't know how to assimilate all this new information. And it's making everybody everywhere, not just in the U.S., like there's just this, you either have the tools in your life, whatever they were, for me it's music, to soften and try to accept something new, try to, you know, like dance with it a little, see see what it feels like. Are you really scared or maybe it's not scary? Yeah. Or you don't have those tools. And I think a lot of people don't have those tools and they close their borders and they are scared of other people and they could just go back to a default mode. Have you noticed that with the advent and the uh, proliferation of the internet notions like aesthetic notions of fashion seem to be gone? Like, um, like there used to be uh used to like every, every decade seemed to have a look just the way we all looked and the way it was documented mm-hmm. based on the technology at the time. But I've had made this uh, observation with others before, but like in this century, it's getting harder to pin things down to a technological era. Does that, or, or, uh, and by technology, I include fashion, like literally the way we dress, the way we put our hair up. Sure. It feels like it doesn't. I'd love to see how you put your hair up though. That's, well, yeah, that's fair. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. We can't see each other at the moment, but, uh, trust me, I got a haircut recently actually, cause I, I yeah. looked, like uh, I was from the seventies. For I just let my hair grow really long, and and that's uh-huh. but that's the signifier. Oh, you look like you're from the sixties or seventies. You look sure. like a hippie. What I'm saying is those distinctions seem to have melted with the internet, uh, and I think it's twofold. One, no one cares that much, uh, or rather, no one. On the one hand, 
a whole swath of a generation doesn't judge things by such orthodoxy. Like, I only mm-hmm. listen to rap music. I only listen to folk music. That's gone. And then on the other, I do think because of the internet, we can laugh at every decade at our fingertips. Look at these idiots, mm-hmm. how they used to dress and talk and look. I don't know. I don't know where I'm coming from with that, but <laughs> it just feels like we're uh, anchorless temper, temper in terms of temporality on some level. Does that make any sense? Yeah, like there's a lack of cohesion. I think yeah. that's too po- political as well. Like you can't get everyone to agree. And it's so easy. Like I wish I knew more about fashion and I don't, but it's easy to immediately laugh at something. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Like it becomes a joke instantly. So it's like, how are you going to affect a new hairstyle? And someone's just going to be like, look at this dork. <laughs> well, that's done. Okay. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. We've had our decade oriented revivals, right? Like as we're speaking, I thought the 80s thing happened 15 years ago, but right now there's like Stranger Things and yeah, certain yeah. other shows that are back to the future. I keep my, my 11, 10, almost 11 year old is obsessed with back to the future and actually went to school recently dressed as best they could like Marty McFly and all the other kids knew what what they were doing and i i was like how would they know you know that's 1985 why do the, why do these little <laughs> kids know it and it's just weird cycles and pockets of yeah they're also obsessed with certain songs from the 80s and i don't know why like they can't tell me where it came from anyway i think right now i don't we're all obviously distracted by other things but uh there's just a sense i think also that nothing matters which i think the right is seizing on like the hopelessness sure. and 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 actually acting on it you know what I'm, that's where i'm coming from and anyway yeah it's it's i think that we're on the brink of something mattering very deeply yes you know yeah like maybe this is right before a moment where something clicks for hopefully the good of all you know i that's my hopeful i have a kid speech <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate i have a dream i I, 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 I appreciate that so speaking of temporality you you according to the information i was sent the songs on the spur were written between the fall of 2019 and the fall of 2020 that is a remarkable time in history to be writing songs um so just in terms of the pandemic pre-pandemic in the and then in the pandemic do you in a catch-all way, if you can, do you see how your lyrics evolved between the start of uh, just before the pandemic and the stillness? And you, is that roughly around? What, no, no, that's you didn't have, you weren't even pregnant. Or no, you found out you were pregnant, no. right? Is that what happened? I stopped writing when the morning sickness started. So this is all before. Right, yeah. right. So it's all before. I've, right. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so this record, sorry, I think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to get so excited. <laughs> But that's pretty amazing. Your fall of 2019 was completely different than your fall of 2020. It just could not have been more different. Do you see that change in you as you contemplate the songs that make up the spur? Yeah. That year was, I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't have written a weirdly, a more like prescient, set of songs for myself personally. (laughs) So I can't say exactly how the development went on or what was, I don't know what if I'm even conscious of, but you know, like the pandemic proved a very good mirror for so many things that you can avoid when you run around all the time. Right. Like 
you think like, well, when I have some more time, I'll do this little thing, or that's going to be what I want to do when I have this kind of, you know, it all came home to roost. It was like, well, you know, no, this is who you are. And this is what your relationships are like. And, uh, I, yeah, the songs let me work all that stuff out. And in a way, like a lot of my issues with my family and stuff came up in a, in a funny way that I think without that kind of development or kind of growth and self-reflection, it was like a cleaning out of the closets of a lot of things I'd been holding on to that made having a kid possible. And I didn't know that. I see. I was, I was just kind of scared of the idea of perpetuating patterns and not that I had a terrible childhood. I don't want to get that wrong because I feel like it can come across that way, but it's just, I think our society doesn't really know how to take care of kids and what makes them really become great adults. You know, like mm. I just, there's such a, a thing there that I didn't want to mess up. And yeah, so the songs were just like this great, cl- like cleaning effort that uh, some of them are actually about parenthood, but they were about my parents, you know. Mm. So it's just kind of eerie how that happened. So you're you're attributing this to some some sub like a subconscious need to express yourself and, and express these ideas. Like I I there are lots of I don't know if it's the same child, but there are lots of children on your record. So it was clearly on your mind. <laughs> yeah, it was. And honestly, some of them like when I was singing the world word child, or I would be like, why doesn't my brother have a kit? Uh-oh. Like I was just. It was always about someone else. And then they're like, oh, oh, okay, it's you. And that happens a lot when you like you write a song and it just is like aimed at someone so pointedly. And then you're just like, oh, shit, that's my my problem. <laughs> you know, I was listening to the song Like the Thunder from the new record uh, yesterday. I mean, I've been listening to it for quite a few weeks, actually. But I was listening to it yesterday and it occurred to me I think in my initial impressions of it were like, oh, this is a, a love song uh, directed at, uh, you know, someone that you would have a relationship with as an adult. But then as I was listening to it yesterday, we were driving, the whole family and I were driving around uh, in the van. And uh, I don't know, I couldn't help but wonder, am I, did I get it, get it wrong? Is it about your child? Like the thunder wrapped my mind around the sound and you shook me like the thunder, like the new world come around. Like it, it that shifted me a little bit. And I, I don't mean to ask you to tell me exactly what this song means, but uh, Joan, can you tell me exactly what this song means? I, I, <laughs> I'm i just curious if you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's weird that it could totally make sense for that. And maybe, and I think that's an extension of what I'm saying is like I prepared my kind of love. I mean, I was aiming it at my current life at the time, which had no baby in it, but I could see that that line makes even more sense if you apply it to the love of a child. Um, well, you there's newness with that that line, but I yeah. mean, when you when you fall in love, that there's a newness. I, I mean, sorry, I'm just trying to differentiate between a parent's love for their child and a, a lover's love for their lover, if you will. And it, yeah, and I sometimes like blurring the lines, not like not because it's just an interesting. That song was definitely a lover's song, to be clear, in the in its writing and its intention. You came on like a pilot in a new open sky, cutting your lines right through me. Sorry, I don't mean to make this a biology class, but 
There is this nature, like I, all I can, sorry, this just, I was driving our minivan because we have one. I'm a, I'm a dad. And, uh, I just, I was like, wait a minute. It just hit me. All the kids were making noise and it just, you know, it's one of those things where it just beamed into my brain. Wait a minute. This isn't what you think it was. And again, open to interpretation. I'm not mistrusting you. You're telling me it's not what I'm saying, (laughs) but you hear where I'm coming from now? Like maybe it kind of was. Maybe it kind of was. Okay. Cutting your lines right through me. I mean, again, this is like, there's something there. Anyway, that's, so that's an <laughs> you interesting. You can have that. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate that. So where I'm coming from is, it seems to me, and I know this about my own, from my own experience, when you have a child with your partner, your love changes. You, you There's a new love that emerges when you have a child. So I feel like it's a different love. So that's what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think you're yeah. experiencing that, right? There's just a new you called it nurturing earlier, but can you relate to what I'm saying about your love kind of being altered when you become a parent? Sure. I'm not. I mean, yeah, but I don't have the words for that one. I don't either. As you heard me, I was fumbling and stumbling about. But I, <laughs> it's <laughs> there's hard. Something, I mean, there's something there, I think. I mean, I'll leave it at that. I mean, the other song, uh, one of the other songs, rather, where you invoke children a lot is your duet with uh, Bill Callahan, uh, Amberlit mm-hmm. Morning. Uh, and another collaboration, you've collaborated with quite a few remarkable people here, so forgive me if I'm missing anyone. Uh, is it, who am I thinking of? Ah, yes, Max Porter, Breath for the Boy. It's mm-hmm. interesting to me that you uh, talk about children with, uh, is Max a parent? But I know Bill... Uh, as you may or may not know, Bill's been on yeah. the, the show a couple of times, uh, three, couple, three, four times now, and we talked about uh, how parenting altered him. And of course, Bill would defer to being like, "Listen, I'm not going to sit here and talk about being a dad and an artist. Like that's not my. That, I understood his reticence to be like, it's not like a easy equation. But yeah. he became a dad, I think, rather late in life, and again, totally altered, naturally altered." Is Max Porter someone you know well? Uh, is 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 Max a, a parent? We have only communicated over the internet because of uh, the distance and the time we had met, but the um or found each other. Yeah, he is a dad. Yeah, he has written amazing books about. I mean, grief is a thing with feathers is a gorgeous book. Lanny is a gorgeous book, and he deals with this kind of kind of masculinity. And then just an earth, I don't know. I just love everything about what he brings hmm. to, and, and he brought it to that song. I don't know. Yeah. So he's dad. <laughs> is to, that your question? To be clear. So Max is a songwriting collaborator. Max does not sing on this he song. Was, he's just a writer. He doesn't write songs, but oh, we sorry. have experimented with songs. Right. He gave me some lyrics and I uh, just, I turned his lyrics into the song and- then I've sent him almost finished songs that I was kind of stalled at, and he he added some, he added and took away some things. That would be breath for the boy. And did did Bill Callahan contribute lyrically to the song Amberlit Morning? Yes, he did some lyrical, chordal, and uh, right. And he, yeah, he changed a few things. Yeah, he would say they were minimal, but I think they were rather dramatic. Well, that's yeah, that's a. Perfect encapsulation of Bill's personality. Uh, <laughs> minimal, but uh, but heavy. Um, where I'm coming from there is, 
I don't imagine you gravitated to to these collaborators because they were parents, but do you think it gives there and, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, but does, do you think it gives those songs uh extra weight in terms of the subject matter? Like when I see this line and I don't know if it's or this uh, section of the song that you wrote with Bill, every child sees it, every child knows. As a child I saw it all. From my own experience talking to Bill about his relationship with his parents, and you've alluded to the fact that you had some stuff going on uh, when you were, and I, I don't mean to pry, and I, I don't mean to be clumsy about it, but it sounds like you had a somewhat different childhood. Is that fair to say? Uh, we all had different childhoods, I guess. Well, that's true. That is technically true. We all <laughs> had different childhoods. But I mean, I don't know if yours was particularly difficult, but as a child, I saw it all is an interesting thing for a parent to say. Because I don't know about you, but when you have a kid, I'm I'm not regressing, but it makes me, it does make you regress a little bit because you assume mm. that you need to raise your child with the same experiences and books and movies and TV shows that you had. It's it's one oh, one way you try to relate to them or relate to their being. And, I, you know, I will say, sometimes my wife falls into this trap and I say, yeah, that's not, they don't want to do that. Like there's the internet now. There's just different things now. Um, oh, you know what I'm getting at there? Like it's just you can't raise them exactly as you were. And and, uh, and obviously I would think you want to try to refine some things. Like if you had a troubled or strange childhood. Anyway, I'm all over the place. My question is, was about five minutes ago, did you gravitate towards these collaborators because of their experience as parents? Do you think it gave what you were all trying to get at any particular weight, a, a particular extra weight? For the one with Bill, certainly. Uh, I had thought about that song as a kind of like a good night moon. I wanted it to be kind of big and abstract, but a conversation between two kind of, I called it constellations at the time, like something in space Yeah. <laughs> that... um. Yeah, and and so him as a as a parent, as someone who knew how to put a child to sleep, that seemed important to know the rhythm, to know the to the, the exact you know chemical combination that will not put this the listener to this song sleep, but just the way that kind of lullabies and myths all have this kind of gruesomeness in them, really. And when I'm saying every child sees it, I I'm referring to the the way that as a child you see like life and death, you see gruesome stuff, mm-hmm. you see, you learn that they're bad or good. But like in the beginning, you're just seeing the earth. You're seeing everything that's living and dying equally. And then it's like, oh, it changes as we grow up. But yeah. but there's so much you could interpret that line as and... I won't explain it anymore. No, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll leave it up to interpretation. I will ask you personally, and I'll, I'll relay to you that uh, as a child, my parents moved to Canada from India and then raised a family, my sister and I. And I would say they tried to protect us as much as possible from the world. Uh-huh. Um, and in my own experience raising a child in this day and age in terms of technology and what we allow them to access in terms of just screens and whatnot. It feels Gosh. impossible. It feels impossible to, to fully. I mean, sorry, I will say the other side of that is I 
fought that. I tried to find out. The more they tried to protect me from the world, the more I tried to find out about it. Yeah, because you can tell when you're being... (laughs) That's the good stuff. The stuff they don't want me to know about, that's probably the good stuff, really. Are you grappling with this in any way? In term- I mean, the child is so young, so you're not quite there yet. But uh, Thankfully, I feel like I'm only getting the challenges I can handle at each moment. But I can't imagine, because I still can't handle what I'm getting access to as an adult. So yeah. it's like, what is the answer for a kid? And yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. Um, but there is that thing about kids of like, like, They'll see your behavior and mimic you. You can't hide that. We all have this idea. Your parents had an idea of what they wanted you to be. And so they protected you from the things they didn't want you yeah. to see. You it worked know? out the opposite for them. But yeah. they, yeah. And you saw, yeah, but your eyes were clear. So you did what you did. You know, like, yeah. I just think you can't fool kids. And yeah, so it's it's going to be hard. I like to keep that awareness so I don't fool myself into thinking I can control everything my daughter's going to do. It's like yeah. she she feels the room. She feels the situation. She knows, you know, angry people exist on the internet <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be, I think it's less about trying to hide things from her than giving her ways to deal with what she gets. That's at least my hope. I am total amateur at this no no i and i i think you're absolutely correct you just give them you give them the the best tools you can to to deal with this world it's just a very complicated one um but i do think uh as you were speaking about me seeing clearly i realize i have this uh oppositional streak Mm -hmm. uh, a contrarian streak for better or for worse often as i get older i think it's a bad thing uh, but I do think, uh, it comes a little bit from the way I was raised, which was by, by them trying to hide things from me, I sought them out. And then that sowed a little bit of mistrust in what they were and weren't conveying to me. Sorry. I don't mean mm-hmm. to, this is why am I conveying this to you? I guess what I'm saying <laughs> is it's a slippery slope. It's a bit of a minefield because I think you, um, as a parent, I mean, you just want to do your best and hope for the best and, uh, and not repeat the same mistakes, but every once in a while, I feel like I am. I'm making a lot of mistakes, and I hope uh, I hope they're not uh, causing uh, you know the same like opposition, just being oppositional for the sake of being oppositional, if you will. Yeah, there's a yeah. That's I share your fear. Share yeah, it. it's a fear. It's an absolute. You, you're feeling okay though. You're so. I'll tell you this. Here's what I'll say to you, Joan. And forgive me. You don't know me very well. It's fine. I don't, I don't, I'm just going to give you a little bit of advice because I say this to my wife sometimes. Uh, our children, by the way, they're like, like I say, my son is going to be 11, daughter is seven. And every once in a while, we get a little worked up about something, uh, where, what they're doing, where they are. And, uh, what I say to my wife is like, this is the best time it's ever going to be because they're not teenagers. Uh, they're not uh, getting into monkey business and mischief. We pretty much know where they are all the time. Have mostly pretty pretty good control. All I'm getting at is enjoy it. I say as much as you might be worried about stuff and, mm-hmm. and talking to me, uh, uh, who clearly is trying to fear monger today. I would just enjoy it. Enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. You know, are you trying to do that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's easy to enjoy this stage. Surely. I mean. Just remind me that in like a year or two. 
<laughs> okay, I will. I th- it's just something to keep in mind because I think we get some parents. We we get a little worked up. Is all I'm getting at, and I feel like some, yeah. like I, I, you know, our peers, our colleagues, our our friends have kids around the same age, and you end up having these conversations, and eventually you leave them being like, we should all just chill out a little bit more because mm-hmm. everyone's all stressed out about everything, and this is I'm, I'm a, I get worried and stressed. That's all. That's all I'm getting. Well, too, at. we're living in a world that is completely chaotic and stressful and out of our control. So it's like our one place of seeming control. You think like, well, at least I'll make some peace for my family. Yeah. And so if that starts to slip, I can see how that could make someone crazy. Yeah, exactly. One of the first songs I believe you wrote for the Spur was When the Light is Dying. And that uh, is meant to kind of, or rather that is, uh, that was inspired by Life on the Road. Is that correct? Yeah, it was a certain, it was a combination of memories from the car window getting across some very, you know, just driving endlessly and having thoughts, having dark thoughts, listening to a Leonard Cohen's last record that is extremely dark and and kind of seeing the sunset over the um over this countryside and yeah, I had returned home with that memory and and made that song uh just at the end of the tours before I thought like, Oh, we'll start again in the spring. But then the spring was March, 2020 yeah. and uh, that didn't happen. What, but, a, what a remarkable record that you wanted darker is. Are you, uh, are you a fan of Leonard Cohen's generally? Oh yeah. 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 And that album is almost, you're like, okay, profit status. There you go. Like that guy could see the future. I mean, it's a beautiful collection of songs, but definitely not for, when you're feeling down. He liked to sing about how he could see the future, didn't he? I mean, literally, he did do that. He he, <laughs> he had that sort of, um, he was a, something of an oracle for us here in Canada. I'll, tell, I'll say that much. I mean, for those who followed him and dug deep into him. I, I Yeah, you could see that. Yeah. And uh, uh, when you talk about, I don't know, the, there's a certain caliber of artist. David Bowie did something similar, knew the end was coming. And talked about it. I think I don't want to be morbid, but I feel like Dylan did it most recently with Rough and Rowdy Ways. There's just instances where he's aware. As an artist, what do you make of that notion of just grappling with mortality and and time and all those sorts of things? I think it's to me it's quite remarkable, but you don't often see it done as well as Leonard Cohen or someone has done it. Um, am I missing some examples of this that you can think of? Oh, I don't, oh man, there's probably so many because, yeah. I mean, there's that idea that the artist is, and I can't remember the quote or who this is from, but it's the artist, a great artist reminds you about that you will die and that you're not dead yet. Like that <laughs> is yeah. the greatest work we can do. And I think that's what it is. That's always been that way for as long as humans could sing and talk. Like, yeah, we're awake. We're going to sleep again soon. <laughs> I mean, you have a song called Forever Blues. There's a lot of temporality on this record. Like, I feel like, again, based on when you made it, based on the fact that you brought a child into the world, time was on your mind, would you say, on this one? Mm, yeah, I wonder if that was the kind of the stagnancy of, of lockdown. But time is always kind of in my songs, I think. It's just some it's something slippery i still always chew on 
Yeah. Well, and home. I mean, there's this beautiful song called Home that is very meditative, like finding a place in this on this planet. I mean, that's what I took away from it. And, and also recognizing because you, we were also sort of landlocked, if you will, really becoming more the most familiar probably than we ever have been with our homes, our houses, our, our the places we live. Did you find that occurred for you? Not exactly. That song was more about the abstract idea, like the way it's kind of what we we're talking about when we talk about like, oh, when was when was it great or like. Mm. your childhood memory if you actually went back to that place like like in a dream or something like all the faces would be different all the it's not how you remember it these are these things that like you can try to push back to whatever you feel in your heart when you feel homesick like what is that really what's there yeah and it's shifting it's not a real place it's like um something you have to deal with uh in your like that romantic notion is something you'll always have to deal with and you'll probably never find. And that kind of tortured me a little bit for a while. Yeah. I mean, you have a, as a touring artist, I'm sure you have a a pretty unique perspective on what it means to be in a settled place. Like this has got to be the longest you haven't. Sorry, I'm not actually fully familiar. Do Would you consider yourself a bit of a, a road dog? Are you, are you constantly touring when you have a record out and all that sort of stuff? I, not as much as some people. That's not, mm. we're not a uh, Katy Perry level or anything, but the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, I had not been home for like a season for for so long. I couldn't remember the feeling. So that was kind of an issue. It was like, okay, now we're really here. Like, and I said, I wanted this huge garden and, and all these things. Like, and I did, you know, we went full bore, got goats and chickens and made my huge garden and, yeah. I had this explosive energy to make the home I had always been imagining. And, you know, that happened and still, you know, you think it's going to be like the balm that fixes all the other things. And it's like, oh, right, those are still issues. Um, Like the world, (laughs) all that stuff doesn't change because you have made a sweeter home. But it was physically a very, very healing experience for myself, so... Well, you, the, there is literally a song called Home, and that's the one I was referring to. But you also have a song mm-hmm. called Why Not Live Here. And the, yeah, that and was the, also before. Oh, but, b- before which? Before COVID. Before COVID. You, can, you yeah. can, the lines that stick out for me, and I believe it might be the chorus, you can move, but why not live here a while? And, yeah, uh, very strange. Is yeah. it strange? That's the prescience you're talking about? Yeah, like... And it's almost, it's laughable, like that voice as if it was going to be such a light choice. Yeah. <laughs> when I, like it was when a I real option. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. So what do you, okay, let's get to this. Uh, are you a soothsayer? Are you the oracle? <laughs> are you, did Leonard Cohen's spirit <laughs> enter have your you body? Have you talked to many musicians who have had this experience? Because I've heard of several people who kind of, it's kind of a boring story now of like, wow, you wouldn't believe it, but I wrote a song and it happened. Like, Oh, well, I don't. this is interesting you bring this up, Joan, because mm-hmm. I have been putting this theory forward to whoever will listen. Most recently, Jeff Tweedy was on the show and I put this forward. He borderline shot me down, but I'll tell you my theory. Here's my okay. theory. We, uh, we uh, uh, ascribe prescience to artists uh, for things they make and then what happens you know, because something happens based on something they wrote well before it happened. 
But my theory is, again, Jeff Tweedy shot me down. My th- nah, he didn't. He quasi accepted it. I shouldn't misrepresent Jeff. He's a, he's a kind person um, and understanding and forgiving of my theories. But here's my theory. As an artist, you're paying attention to things in the world in a, in a, in a hyper-sensitive way that some of us miss. I, I think this is why artists, artistic movements start, because enough people, someone, usually someone or some group, figures something out, figures out a way to do something aesthetically and communicate it, and then it develops an audience, and then you get the movement. But what I'm getting at is I think artists are more tapped in to, oh God, I don't want to sound hokey about this, some sort of collective spiritual plane that not all of us pay attention to. I've heard comedians do this, like tell a joke. Absolutely. And then it's like a sort of maybe a sociocultural or socioculturally oriented joke. And then we see, I don't know if you're on Twitter much, but these, there's these George Carlin clips constantly get recirculated oh. because something he said 25, 30 years ago is still incredibly relevant. So then you get this mix of, oh shit, is that prescience or is that mm-hmm. just we are stuck in these cycles of behavior and right. each generation is sort of reporting on it via a song or an artistic statement? Sorry, as usual, I'm very rambly today, mm-hmm. uh, but does that theory hold water yeah, for you that's... that you're just paying attention to stuff in a much more fine-tuned way than some of us are able to or or want to even think about? Mm, I think the that there is something to sitting down with a blank mind and trying to think and trying to conjure up something, whatever that is. Yeah. I think it does tap into a subconscious, like that maybe as a group, I, there has to be, because there's some things that happen that I'm just like, I have no idea how I knew that. Yeah. And like, and it'll be something personal. Maybe sometimes it'll be, I'll write a song. And then a month later I needed that because it was particularly about this instance that happened later. Yeah. And to my mind, what you said is a perfect combination. It's it's not just prescient. It's just, it is a combination of human nature. And when humans do a certain amount of these things, like we know that we're going to flip a switch and do this, the next thing. So a certain amount of some signal picked up on the antennas that are all creative people. Yeah comes through yeah that seems not so out there to me see well i'll I'll text jeff because he yeah let him know he shot me down a little bit but i think it's a also (laughs) i think his view is that that's a pretty exalted thing to foist upon artistic people right and and it's pretty arrogant too if you go in there and you're like actually i'm seeing you know that's i it's hard i think i think my point is as someone who consumes a lot of music and art and culture and all those things I'm numb to the prescience. Like I'm I'm numb to it because I'm so used to artists talking about something that the rest of us catch up on if that makes any sense. And I to your point, I don't know if it's a solid The theory does have some holes in it. I will say that, but I do think there's <laughs> sure. definitely something to it because in this case for example, if you're writing about the significance of home life or or pondering what that even means as a concept on the other hand you're talking about isolation and alienation what did the pandemic heightened it heightened those things 
I think. So what I'm getting at also is it may not be precise, but the th- uh, the things that you're singing about were there for you and probably for a whole generation of people across the world. It just took, it's now taken on a different meaning because of what we all have gone through during this pandemic. So, or di- like if you're talking about despair, mm-hmm. economic disparity or whatever, we, some of us have been talking or thinking about these things for a long time. But then we go through a collective thing like this, which in my lifetime we've never done before. I think it's normal for the consciousness, if you will, of everyone to shift. So we're all paying more attention to people like you when you talk about things like this. Does that make sense? Sure, like a revision going and finding the relevant pieces and, and focusing on I'm sure that could happen. But it's I creepy. Think it must be bold to say they're listening to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I well, first of all, they should be listening to you. I'll say that okay. this is this is part of my job is hoping that more people <laughs> listen to you. But I also think, uh, yeah, like you finished writing these songs in the spring of 2021, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come out 2022, so they freak you out. But because you're like, oh my god. What the hell? What was I? I can't believe I was talking about that. Like, I'm getting the impression you're a little. Listen, Joan, don't freak yourself out. That's what I'm getting at. Are you a little freaked out by yourself? (laughs) I'm dealing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the music on here. You were talking earlier about the um, folk and um, I guess traditional music revival. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you view there are songs here that I think fall into that um, category? Even. Uh, the songs that are maybe a little more um, elaborate, if you will, like The Thunder I was alluding to earlier. I mean, the distinction is basically there's more people and sounds involved. But do you view any of this uh, music as a particular departure for you? Anything that you're particularly proud of exploring uh, sonically with this record? I don't know really how to... Let's see. Sorry, am I making you do homework, calling up your own record? I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I've always had like a very, I've liked to be on the edge between kind of a post-rock and an acoustic-minded thing. Yeah. I don't know what genre I would actually feel at home in, but I never have liked any of them. If I were to, if I were to be restricted to a genre, I would be in, in a bad way. And it's been that way through all my records. So I don't know yeah. sonically if I've gone off the rails in any direction or into new territory necessarily sound-wise. I just feel like we've gone deeper into what we do, honestly. the yeah. That doesn't make any sense, but that's what it feels like. No, and I, I assume the choices you made at the time are just reflective of where you think the songs go. Like the the song with Bill Callahan, Amberlit Morning, has that ambiance but it's also it's sort of sparse particularly compared to something like the spur which has a kind of stark quality but it when you hit those choruses like i get the what do you call it i got the goosebumps i get the hair raising (laughs) feeling you know what i'm saying so it's they're just decisions you made at the time that i'm curious about in terms of maybe yeah, yeah, just what's going on in the culture right now. Like, just the fact that you alluded to the fact that there are these revivals sometimes. You feel, I guess what you're saying is you don't really feel like you fit in in in, in any particular uh, 
I don't know, cultural trend, if you will. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Well, at least that. I definitely haven't been like on. Uh, I'm not pushing the edge of of this. You know, like there was that year that what did the Lord song came out? Yeah. Royals. Royals. Yeah. And like all pop music turned towards that sound that like minimal slap like little snaps or whatever and yeah. minimal percussion like everyone was just going for that hit and i think because of traditional music and and knowing nathan and knowing the archive and therefore knowing like the history of recorded music and seeing how recording changed music from being just kind of like wow these wild regional variants of music all these different ways of of playing and expressing yourself and of what songs are and what, you know, what a dance would look like or whatever. Yeah. And then seeing it homogenized to just like two or three kinds of thing because of the way that the machine worked, you know, like, yeah. so I've always tried to just ignore a trend just because I'm a contrarian, like you're saying you are. <laughs> I just was like, well, what if I just don't care? And this is, these are my limits. These are my abilities. And I can't, I don't know. It's just something about me just loves that. Like that this is my little niche and we're going to play here. And if you like playing here, you can come join us. Do um, you, I know you've collaborated with Will Oldham in the past and Will's uh, a family friend. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. This is a very Kentucky oriented record. I believe it was made in Shelbyville, Kentucky. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, just following up on what you're speaking of in terms of fitting in and regionalism, uh, this is going to be a really dumb question. But, uh, uh, sorry, another, Can't wait. <laughs> another dumb question. Sorry, do you feel like there's been a lot of dumb questions? Well, no, I just, I don't know what to expect now. What I'm yeah. getting at, no, I, I don't know why. I, I sometimes, <laughs> towards the end, I get very uh, down on myself and I assume I'm being an idiot. But uh, oh, uh, you're doing great. I appreciate yeah. that. You are too. We're hanging in there together. It's good. <laughs> My point is, uh, do you feel connected in what you're doing to any tradition uh, that stems from your, emanates particularly from the state of Kentucky? Like, do you feel like you're part of a uh, a trajectory of music that's being made? I think maybe you are. Uh, and I know this is just a matter of, for some people, it's a coincidence. This is just where I live, blah, 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 blah. But do you mm -hmm. feel like your environmental or historical condition, if you will, as a Kentuckian, does it influence your approach to making music? Yeah. And I'd like to think, like, this was deliberate because I started making music just around the time that everything kind of went digital, went mm -hmm. where you could contact people and over and sharing music online and stuff. So I was like, should I move to a bigger city where this is viable or is it now viable anywhere? And it seemed, and I just was like, well, again, an anti-homogenizing choice here. I was like, well, I can't just go be another band in Brooklyn. I could, yeah. I could try to be somebody who absorbed Kentucky and did Kentucky and Will Oldham was a very big influence on me there. Cause like if he was choosing to be here, yeah. then certainly I could. And he was he was raised up in a different time where music mm. was a different landscape. But I I just kind of liked how he didn't care. He was yeah. just he'll bring the world to to us. You know, we got some good music coming through because of him, and a lot of people admire his work here and make stuff with that kind of love of country music and and punk and yeah yeah all the things. So it's. 
it's a cool place for that, for sure. And yeah. I'd like to think I'm in the lineage, at least because I didn't leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think that's just taking on that stance even, I think, puts you in that category, if you will. So I appreciate that. I appreciate people who stay. I'm, I'm Every once in a while, I'm like, why did I leave Ontario? Like I was very uh, much, I felt part of a community, but... Uh, work and family and things beckon. So I, th- th- maybe this is where yeah. I'm. It's a very personal question for me because I sometimes regret it and sometimes wonder what the hell we're doing. But uh, that's the way it is. Anyway, sorry. Well, you're back of, home. Pardon me. And now you're back where you came from, or no? No, I'm still no. I'm from Ontario and okay. uh, was pretty uh, uh, pretty well ensconced in a town called Guelph, Ontario, which is like a college town. Actually, will played there at a music festival one summer and mm. uh with uh with his band and um yeah i i it's hard to i wish i didn't miss anything but sometimes you miss things and uh it shifts you're like what did i do where you know i should have stayed mm. maybe we should have stayed that's you it just goes through your mind sometimes you know what i'm saying Sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't know why this is about me. It's all, all about me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> what no, it's, I'm curious. But. Well, it's it's just the nature. Yeah. I'm. I think what I'm trying to do is relate to. I relate to your um, thoughts about what home means and what uh, mm-hmm. what it means to raise a family and think about uh, where you are. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. And I feel like a lot of that sort of. Th- thought a lot of those thoughts are coming through on this record so it's got me thinking about them if that makes any sense okay yeah yeah so yeah it's good joan what's next for you uh i know you have this child so that's just an ongoing project can't that's just always going to be there what do you do you have uh Mm -hmm. plans for more music or are you working on anything now uh, working on putting some shows together and figuring out how our touring looks now that She's in the picture. Um, right. That's kind of the big thing. And a few songs have come through, but I'm definitely uh, <laughs> in the antenna stage of things. I think the world is shifting so much right now that I can't help but watch. and can't, Like, it just feels very, like an important time to be silent before you create something. Yeah. Are you a jotter? Do you jot things down or do you sit down and <laughs> let it all... Like the whole thing is kind of comes out and it's done. I mean, not done. You know, traveling, I I like to jot things down, but because the the way that you lose track of stuff, but I haven't lately. And usually when I'm not traveling, it's just about sitting down and a song will show up whole. Right. So it's been a mix of the two. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, I love this record. You've got some amazing people. I'm sorry, did we we didn't talk about uh, Spencer Tweedy has been on this show, and you got Meg Baird is mm-hmm. also a contributor. Is there any, anyone else you want to? I'm sorry, this is my fault. I've steered the conversation awry. Is there anyone <laughs> else you want to shout out in particular right now? That's no, it's uh, James Elkinson. I think we did him. I think we said them all. Zach Riles recorded it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's a lot of nice people on here. There's a lot of uh, musicians. It's 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 a wonderful record, and I, I I hope you're proud of it, and I hope people find out about it. And that's part of what we're doing today. If people want to learn more about you and the Spur using their computers and and telephones, where would you like to direct them? I am on all the things. I guess Instagram is where I 
show up the most, but there's a, a Facebook page and my website is a dot net, joanshelley.net. Yep. That kind of stuff, but. And the label, do you want to, is, uh, can people pick up the record uh, at, the, at the label site? Yeah, No Quarter has the record and uh, Rough Trade in the UK. The um, Bandcamp is a really good website to go to for it. Yep. It's got a, it's got sea glass vinyl, if you like that kind of thing. It's own unique color for the Bandcamp site. What color is sea, um, what is sea glass? I'm not familiar. Sea glass, I know. Well, there could be any color. That's what's funny about it. Yeah. But it's it's like a light green, like a sea foam kind of green. Did you pick this specifically for any particular reason? I thought it looked good with the colors of the record. I see. Okay. Sea glass. They're just inventing colors now. I, I'm already, I have, I'm I'm not colorblind, I'm color stupid. I don't know enough about the colors. And when you have children and they're coloring stuff, they're like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Sorry, I have vague colorblindness. I'm like, is that brown or green? They're like, Papa, okay. Papa, can't you, you don't know the colors? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I got problems. Anyway, sea glass. Now they're just inventing things. It's not good for me. Is all I'm getting at, Joan. It's not. Okay. They should stop. Mean to confuse I would you, think but, there could be finite yeah. colors. Why do we have to invent new colors? Anyway, this is a bad thing for someone who appreciates art to say. I like. Uh, I like colors. I like life. Well, it sounds the same. Okay, that's what you can look forward to. I appreciate that. Now, if we can go out on a song from the Spur for people to hear right now, uh, is there one you can pick for us? And if so, can you tell us why you chose it? Well, I guess I'd pick the title track, The Spur. What is that? And what does the spur mean to you as a catch-all? As a, the symbol means it kind of had something to do with the place I was at, you know, like this a spinning thing in, set in place, right? We were all mm. just stuck and spinning. But then you could also take that image to mean, you know, like... And and I attached it to the people in my life who motivated me out of the idleness that I felt. It was just like, come on, like feel something right now because yeah, it's overwhelming, but like wake up if don't go numb. And so that song is is just like a is is a thank you to those kinds of people. Like keep me seeing clearly, keep me in my life. And um that's yeah, I think that's important right now. I will tell you that this chorus uh, gets to me on a few different levels. It's one of those ones. Remember when I was trying to say I got the goosebumps? Yeah. Uh, when you get to be the spur in my side, be the shade over my eyes, all my friends and my enemies too, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like that's, sorry, that just feels very of the time and hopeful. I don't know what you're alluding to there per se. It's 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 enigmatic and I'm happy to leave it as such, but I just want you to know from me here in Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, the, it just gets to me. And I feel like it's a very important sentiment. Well, thanks. I just <laughs> want you to, I want you to know that. I don't know why, but it's just some, something that gets to me. Well, let's just play it for people. This is right. the title track from the beautiful new album by Joan Shelley. It's called The Spur. Joan, this was a really fun and lovely conversation. I, I hope you enjoyed it, and I wish you the best luck with uh, everything in the future. Thanks, Fish. It's been a pleasure.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Very special thanks again to Joan Shelley for appearing on this, the 699th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One podcast network and is available wherever it is. You get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you heard about and you're looking for it and you don't know where it is, or if you want to learn more about me and, and also how to contact me, I guess, and oh, and sign up for my monthly newsletter, too. You can do all those things at vishkana.com. Also, you can like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on the Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. That's the primary source of uh, revenue uh, for all of this work that I do each and every week. And that's it. That's pretty much it. There's a little bit of dribbles and drabs of things, but that's it. Your support on Patreon is, uh, is what sustains the show. So why would you do this? Well, it's, I don't know. Because you're nice? No, that's that's. you're also nice if you don't do it. That was the wrong thing to say. Here's what I'll say. $6 or more a month from, from you there grants you access to exclusive content, some of it derived from uh, interviews I conducted well before I had this show, some of it derived from brand new interviews. I go into overtime with some of the guests, and you can hear that stuff there at uh, $6 or more a month. Again, it's month. it's flexible. You can change it every month. You can go up, you can go down. Whatever suits your fancy there. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon, and I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, patreon.com slash Control to support the show. And thank you in advance. And thank you already. If you're already doing it, it really means a lot. Thanks again to the fine Alberta record store, Blackbird Music, locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. And you can learn more about them and order stuff at blackbird.ca. I also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for lending me some music of his uh, for the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Joan Shelley. I hope uh, you enjoyed it and got a little flavor for Joan's uh, music there if you hadn't heard it before. And, uh, yeah, check out this uh, great uh, new record, The Spur. Also, thank you for listening to this episode, as I mentioned, and for subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends all about it. All that stuff helps. And that's it for me. I will see you soon, I hope, for episode 700 of Creative Control, and I will talk to you, like I say, soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.